this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. And I'm... I'm so happy to be with you. I mean, you are amazing people. You are loving us so much. And I, I appreciate for all the help, all the prayers. And just to be with you, it's a blessing already. Uh, I, I wanted to say this a long time ago. So it's a great opportunity to say this. I feel myself home with brothers and sisters. And that's the most important thing. Um, and yes, there have been prayers uh, this week. And I also confess my faith. I I confessed one word in the Bible, what Jesus said, that when you command the heel to jump into the sea, it will happen if you believe. And I've been practicing my faith on that one, and I confess that this week I'm going to start a teaching job. I've been waiting for this for long, and uh, as we prayed on Wednesday night, Thursday I got a call that, uh, from the clearance office that you are cleared. I, I would say that that uh, that was a long time waiting for DBS, overseas police reference check, all the references, and it was uh, a bit of conf- confusing a little bit and, uh, and also stressful time for waiting for uh, do what my profession is as I'm a primary school teacher. And so Friday morning they called me to teach in a college, actually. So <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Uh, and... It's a day-to-day basis, but that's the, that's the first step, actually. So, so finally, uh, uh, glory to God, glory to God, because it, it's even more than I was expected. And that's what we were praying, that it's, it's even more than I expected. So, glory to God. Yeah, I'm sharing on behalf of Christy. Uh, last week she asked me to pray for her because um, she's got two frozen shoulders and um, she was due to have an operation this week and uh, she came in this morning and said that uh, um, she'd not been able to put her winter coat on and obviously the, the snow and everything this week she was going to go I think, get the bus and she really wanted to get her coat on and uh, she felt God say just give it a go and uh, she showed me this morning she can raise one, one arm above and uh, the other one still needs healing. But um, I just want to praise God for that because I must admit in this week of prayer we've been praying, we've got so many folks and family just going through such stuff and I was like, God, I really need some encouragement this morning. So it's fantastic. And I just really want to encourage you to pray for people. Do you know, I just love being family together and praying and just seeing God at work. So if you, I just want to encourage you this morning, if you've not prayed for anyone this morning, or anyone before for healing, or anything like that then if you don't feel too confident grab someone who you know and just pray and uh, just be expectant to see God work because he's so good is there anybody else after Naomi come and form a queue here thank you we had a really good night in Chelliston on Friday and um, it was one of those sort of weary Friday night feelings but you know what God was so there and we really prayed for God's presence um, to increase in us. And we, we looked, we started looking at um, Psalm 86, and this verse really sort of stuck for us. For you are great, Lord, and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. And um, I, 
I know that lives were changed actually that night and I've heard testimonies already um, from one of my friends in particular that God just spoke right into her life. Um, for me, I, um, I'm really praying for a gift of healing, to pray for other people and just a, an increase in faith to do that. So you've all heard it now so you can all challenge me on it. Um, but actually God said it starts with me because I'm having problems with my hips so I asked the guys to pray for me. And I believe God's doing something already, not healed yet. But what I really pray for is that I can go back to the physio in a few weeks and say, and tell her God has healed me. So if you could stand with me in that. And the last thing is, if you don't go to prayer meetings because you think, oh, I used to go and we had such a good time in God's presence. You know, if you are struggling, you know, God is just there to meet your needs. And just come along. We, had, we actually had fun as well. It was a really good time. We had fun together. It's not surprising. But I just really want to encourage you this year um, to just get along to prayer meetings because they really are life-changing. And Yeah. Thank you, Naomi, very much. Uh, so on uh, the Burton prayer meeting uh, this week, uh, uh, Matt, at uh, some point in the, in the uh, proceedings, turned our attention to uh, praying for uh, praying for each other in our work situation. So it kind of started off we were praying for people in the NHS, and that's where I work. And um, and and one of the things that Matt was praying was was actually would, would um, uh, my voice and, and uh, the people the other people that we were praying for would our voices uh, reach up into the into the kind of upper levels of the hospitals where we work and 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 how and carry real influence. And I mean, they're really, really good kingdom-building prayers to pray. And I um, got into work the next morning, and um, I, I had an email uh, to say, "I need you to." Uh, my boss was saying, "I need you to go to this meeting about setting up this the, this new hospital site that we're doing." And I, I, I walk in, oh, I, and, and there's just there's just a bunch of managers making plans for, for uh, what, this, what this hospital is going to look like, how it's going to be. Um, and and I, turn, I turn up bringing my little ideas about, uh, about well, this is how I, I think things could work. And uh, I had no idea what Matt was really talking about when, when he was praying for it. And, and yet God brought the fruit of it within 12 hours. And and, and and actually, it brought real breakthrough into, in, into that meeting. There was, a, there was a kind of real deadlock, and and actually, some of the things some of the things that I was able to bring actually really changed things around. And prayer is just—you've heard the term "speak truth to power," which is often about the little guy talking to the big guy and going, "Life's like this down here." Actually, that's what prayer is all about—speaking truth about what everything's going on to power. And the power changes stuff. So, so bring your heart to God and pray what's on Him to, to the Lord because He changes things and He does it often, very, very quickly and quite dramatically. Great to boast in God. Great to boast in Graham. Off you go, Graham. Isn't it good to hear some... Uh Great stories of answered prayer. Wasn't that encouraging? Well, I thought it was encouraging anyway. If you were up at uh, 
half past seven this morning and uh, you were listening to Radio Derby about quarter to eight I think it was in the end you would have heard David on there doing a fantastic job on the breakfast show talking about our alpha course uh, which is really good so well done mate in excellent time this morning and then this evening Ray and Sandeep are on Radio Derby I mean it is a jubilee takeover today and uh, guys what time are you on? 6.15. So are you talking about Alpha or are you spinning some tunes? What, what is the... Uh, bit of both. Bit of both. Okay. So uh, <laughs> Sandeep's uh, DJ slot and uh, <laughs> more likely, I guess, talking about Alpha. So just some great opportunities for us to communicate what's going on, to talk about the good news of Jesus and uh, to be able to talk about this in a wider setting and uh, in, into, into our city. So... Um, please pray for Ray and Sandy tonight. Uh, do listen uh, if you're free around that sort of time. And uh, let's be praying for a great time on Thursday and uh, indeed a fantastic Alpha course off the back of that. There is still time for you to invite people, still time for you to book in. Uh, so you can do that online or if, you, if you're unable to do that online, if you see uh, David or me afterwards, then uh, we can help you with that. And, uh, and book you in for Thursday evening. So please be praying for that. It's been great to hear some answered prayer this morning. Uh, but let's, let's be praying about Thursday. Let's be praying that God uh, sends a good number of guests on Thursday night. Let's be praying for a cracking Alpha course. We're doing it in Derby this term. We're doing Alpha in Burton next term. So really pushing ahead on this. We want to see people saved, don't we? That is what it's about, communicating the good news of Jesus in order that God's kingdom might advance by people responding to the gospel and accepting Jesus as their saviour. And uh, so Alpha is a great tool for that. It's not the only tool. uh, But let's be praying that we see fruit in this area, this term here in Derby, next term in Burton. Let's be praying that God does something. Amen? And... um, it's been great to hear of some good prayer meetings as well. So, guys, thank you for, for sharing that. Okay, if you've got a Bible with you, uh, if you could turn, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're continuing our walk through uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians this morning. We have a little bit of time, and uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time on chapter 8. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, start reading at verse 1. Now, about food sacrificed to idols... We know that uh, we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such food they think of it as being sacrificed to an idol and since their conscience is weak it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 
For if anyone with a weak conscience sees you who have this knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't he be emboldened to eat what has been sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wounds their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause him to fall. I wonder, what is your first reaction to hearing this passage? Maybe it's one you're familiar with. Maybe it's something you've uh, read many times before. Maybe you've heard it for the first time this morning. Either way, you could be sitting there thinking, what on earth has this got to do with me? All this talk of idols and food being sacrificed to them, what relevance does that have to me? Might be a question that you are thinking. Now maybe in some far eastern countries, this is perhaps a more relevant passage, you might say. And certainly when I've been in Cambodia, as I have a number of times now, there are idols everywhere. And I really mean everywhere. Uh, And so I guess for uh, my Cambodian Christian friends, this would be a really live issue, uh, a really important passage for them. But what about for us in 21st century Britain? What does God have to say to us out of this passage? Well, I do believe Paul has something for us. I do believe the Lord has something for us this morning. You see, we're told in 2 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture, all of it. So I firmly believe that God has something for us this morning here in 21st century Derby and uh, I believe that God wants to speak to us. So let's pray and in the remaining time we have together we'll see what that is. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your presence, thank you for your goodness, thank you that you've spoken to us already this morning and uh, now we pray as we spend these moments looking at this passage together I pray that, God, you would speak to us by your Spirit. Help us to not only understand what we've read, but would you apply it to our lives? Would you come and by your Spirit use this passage for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness in order that you might be glorified? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we have obviously another issue that clearly the Corinthians have already asked Paul about. As we've already seen, much of what Paul writes in this letter is in answer to questions that the Corinthian church have asked him. And he's responding to them. I guess it's a bit like hearing uh, only one side of a telephone call. You know, when you're in a room and somebody's on the phone and and you can hear what they're saying, but you can't hear the other person. That's really what we've got in 1 Corinthians. We've got, we're hearing Paul's answer to some of the questions that the Corinthians have been asking him. And so for them, clearly, this issue of food was a a big one. It was was a live issue for them, it was an irrelevant question. You see, first century Judaism was full of laws about what food may or may not be eaten. 
it included a list of food which was said to be unclean. It also spoke about how even touching some things uh, would make you unclean. So, for example, you, you wouldn't want to be anywhere near, they would say, somebody with leprosy because it would make you unclean. And um, that was an important part of first century Judaism. And all this came from Old Testament law, which over time the Pharisees and teachers of the law had added to and enlarged and arguably made far more complex. However, there was one first century Jew who didn't play by these rules. Maybe you know who it was. But Jesus went out of his way to, for example, to touch and indeed to heal those who were said to be unclean. So he wasn't backing off, but rather he was pushing in and, uh, and changing the situation. The kingdom of God that Jesus ushered in was less worried about external rules and far more concerned about internal heart change. And so Jesus was breaking the norm. And what he went about doing would have challenged people's thinking. And listen to what Jesus had to say. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going in. Rather, it is what comes out that defiles a person. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He says, I love the way Jesus answers sometimes, don't you? It's like, like, guys, don't you get it? That's what he's saying. Are you so dull? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, it goes into their stomach and then out of the body. Now in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed... Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So what Jesus is saying here is not to do with what you eat. That just goes in and goes through. What he is far more concerned about is your heart. Because out of your heart, it's what comes out of your heart that defiles a person because it's out of your heart that these things that Jesus lists and indeed others come. Food doesn't touch that at all, does it? So Jesus is making the point that he is far more interested in somebody's heart. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for a heart that is open to him. He's looking for a heart that is pure. He's looking for a heart that loves him. And in saying this, Jesus is declaring all foods clean. So what is it about food offered to idols then? Is this any different? Well, let's look at uh, Paul's argument together. The issue was to do with food that had been prepared and offered to an idol 
and then taken to the marketplace to either be sold or, or, or eaten. So, to be clear, Paul is not talking about people taking an active part in pagan worship, but rather he is talking about food that has been, been offered there probably as part of its preparation and gone on to be sold or, or eaten elsewhere. He's talking about food that other people have offered to idols. And, and how might you even know if it's been offered to an idol? Is really what he's saying. In the Corinthian world, the likelihood is that it had been. That, that was the most likely scenario. If you're buying something in the market or eating it um, at, a, at another restaurant, for example, or eating it even in somebody else's home, it was likely that it had probably been offered to an idol. And that's probably true of, of stuff that I've, I've had in Cambodia. You know, in, in every, every shop there's, there's an idol and a little uh, thing there in every restaurant, in every cafe. It, they're, they're everywhere. So the likelihood is that, that food has been has probably been, been offered there. But Paul says, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. Verse 4. And he quite rightly attributes them absolutely no power whatsoever. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And he goes on. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through we, whom we live. Verse 6. So, one God. Only one true God. But Paul realises that not everybody knows this. Now, there were so many idols in Corinth, and it's certainly true of some places that, that I've been abroad as well, that when people eat food that had been offered to one, it troubled them sometimes. In fact, it's clear that uh, some of the early Christians felt that if food had been sacrificed to an idol, they would be defiled. And it would take them away from God, that somehow that, that would affect their very relationship with God and get in the way of it. Not that they've taken part in, in pagan worship, but they're, they're merely eating some food they've brought from the market or at a cafe or somebody's home or whatever. And, and how would they know it probably had been? And it's, they started to ask lots of questions and get really worried about it. But for Paul, he doesn't see it as a problem. He's saying the food doesn't bring you closer to or take you further away from God. Now, there were others who thought different. And Paul describes their conscience as weak. You know, it causes, what he means is it causes them a problem even though it has no reason to. So these are not bad people. These are, are not people who are necessarily setting out to, to say something different. It's just that it causes them an issue even though Paul's saying it has no reason to. It causes them a problem. And Paul describes them as of having a, a weak conscience. Let's just, just pause for a second. Let's think about our conscience. The Bible often talks about our conscience, doesn't it? Our, our conscience can either be trained by the Holy Spirit or defiled. It's that, it's that inner witness as to whether something is right and honourable or not. I remember hearing Terry Virgo speak a few years ago at a meeting I was at. And uh, he was talking to, to us as leaders about the importance 
of keeping a good conscience. And I remember him saying to us, you know, keep a good conscience. Keep a watch over your conscience. Paul could say that he had served God with a good conscience. Can we do that? And uh, Terry went on to talk about different issues that, that, that faced us and different temptations that indeed uh, would come. And uh, he was saying, it's not about having an accountability group. You know, often people say, oh, you, you need to have an accountability group. And I'm all for accountability. That's not a bad thing. But you know what? The reality is you can, you can fall or cheat an accountability group. This is as easy as, as you could fall or, or cheat your husband or wife. Actually, having an accountability group isn't going to keep you from sin. Actually, what's going to ring alarm bells is having a good conscience. It's having a conscience that the Holy Spirit has trained and worked in so that you know, when you're faced with a temptation or a situation that is clearly not going to bring honour to God or seriously going to lead you away from him or even into sin, your conscience starts to ring alarm bells. Now, maybe you've been in a, in a shopping centre or a store where suddenly the alarm bell has gone off. Maybe it's the fire alarm. I remember being in the Intu centre uh, a little while ago and suddenly the fire alarm went off. And it was loud. I mean, you knew about it. And it was ringing all over the place and people started running. You shouldn't run when fire alarms go off, should you? Anyway, people were thinking, I want out of here. Fire alarm going off. Don't want to be, don't want to be inside. Want to, want, to, want to get out. And people started to shut down shops and, and move out. Because this alarm went off and people took action. You know what? When the alarm of your conscience goes off, that's a warning you need to take action. And, uh, and Paul is talking about having a conscience. That's, that's a good conscience. This is what Terry was talking about uh, and to us. And he's saying, you need to keep a good conscience. Be, be very careful with it. Obey it. Now let's arrive at the end of the race having run it and finished it well. And keep a good conscience. Be careful. Watch out for what's going to trip you up. Turn away from it. Pay attention to what your conscience tells you. But as well as looking after your own conscience and allowing the Holy Spirit to train it and to speak to you about things, Paul is also talking about here, about being aware of other people who perhaps have a weak conscience and not to abuse that. So when Paul is talking about this food issue, he doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter. What he says is, make sure that your freedom is not a stumbling block for your brother or sister who has a weaker conscience. Look out for others around you. Their walk with God for Paul was more important than what he did or didn't eat. So your brother or sister's walk with God should be more important to you than what you eat. And this comes out of the importance of loving one another. The Bible has a lot to say about that. We talk a lot about it as a church. It's one of our core values, loving one another. Jesus said, didn't he, in John chapter 13, a new commandment, I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Paul said in Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. 
This sentence is really important. Honour one another above yourselves. How they feel, how they are doing should be important to you. That's what Paul is saying to us here. And he's saying these things should be important. He's not just creating new laws. What he's saying that with, with life with Jesus, life in the Spirit, is not just about you and God. It's about you and God and others. If your walk with God isn't involving and affecting other people, then it's probably not as deep as it could be. Or maybe you're just beginning to take some baby steps. You see, walking with God is a community activity. It's not a walk on your own. It's a walk with others. It's not meant to be carried out in isolation. We're called into a community, a body, a family, a church to follow Christ together with one another. And our relationships with one another are vitally important. As, by the way, our our relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet as well. Now the reality of life is that those relationships can be challenged and and stressed sometimes. There There will be undoubtedly things that cause tension or difficulty on occasions. That's not to be a surprise to us. But rather the issue is what we do about it how we handle it, what we do to put things right and resolve things. So, my question for us this morning is this. Are you honouring your brother and sister in Christ? Is there anything that you are doing that might cause offence? Is there any area where your conscience might be strong but others weak? One writer has summarised this passage thus. He says, Do everything out of love for God and people. Restrict the exercise of your rights for the sake of the gospel. That's a really good way of putting it. Do everything out of love for God and people. Restrict the exercise of your rights for the sake of the gospel. So what about us? How do we apply it then? Well, this particular passage was about foods and uh, just being aware of other people's conscience when it comes to what you eat. I guess there are are things that we could say about other areas of life as well. I suppose another one would be alcohol. This I think would be a good one. So I might choose to drink uh, a glass of wine, and uh, I might choose to, to drink alcohol, obviously carefully, in moderation, not abusing it, but not if it caused my brother or sister to sin. Because their welfare is, should be more important to me than a glass of wine. So there are other cultures where very often Christians don't drink. And it would be totally wrong of me to abuse my freedom by saying, well, I'll have a glass of wine anyway. I want a beer. That would be totally against everything that Paul is saying here. Yes, I am free to have a glass of wine with a dinner but not if it causes my brother or sister to stumble. If their conscience is weak, if they can't cope with that, then that's got to be more important to me than what I drink or not. Another example might be films, movies. You might choose to watch a 15 or 18 rated film and think nothing of it. But others might do that and really struggle with it because of its content or subject matter. might even cause them to sin. So what's the right thing to do? Well, the right thing to do is not to lead your brother or sister to stumble or into sin. 
So let me ask you, as we begin to land this, is there anything that you might do which in and of itself isn't sinful but might cause your brother or sister to stumble or to fall into sin? You see, this is a passage about honouring others above ourselves. It's about putting their needs above ours. Being aware of their vulnerabilities and weaknesses just as they are aware of yours. But you know what? That only happens in community. It doesn't happen on your own. So my question is, are you in that sort of community? The most natural way of building that for us as a church is our life groups. John's talked about them already. It's where friendships are formed and relationships are built. And it's where newcomers are welcomed in. So I want to make sure that our small groups are welcoming places, not closed, but very enthusiastically welcome of new people being added in and, and joining. And you know what? When groups get too large, let's be really enthusiastic and celebrate over multiplying them. There's another example, actually, of putting other people above yourself. Rather than saying, oh, I, just, I just like this group of friends, I want to stay like this. No, for the cause of the gospel, for the sake of other people being added in and growing in Christ. Growing and multiplying is a good thing. I know that the temptation is to think, oh, I want it to multiply, why should it split? Please don't use that word. <laughs> I remember being in a talk once where the, where the, the preacher saying was like, multiply, good word. Split, bad word. And that's never left me. Uh, but actually, let's celebrate when groups get to multiply. Because more people are joining, are coming to Christ, being added in, growing in Him. You know what? Well, it's a good thing. We we'll rejoice over that. We want to celebrate about it. It's about putting other people above ourselves and honouring them above our comfort level and security. So if you are one of the life group leaders that stood up earlier, or if you're a life group leader and you, you weren't here at that moment, then thank you for what you do in creating a culture and environment where those relationships can be built. I, I know that being in a, in a life group isn't the be-all and end-all of everything, but if you're not in one, where is your community happening? Where are you known and knowing others? Where are you letting other people into your life? Where are you putting others before yourself? So what's your next step from this morning? We've talked about food being offered to idols. We've talked about putting one another's uh, needs before our own. We've talked about paying attention to our conscience. What is it for you this morning? What's your next step out of this morning's message? I felt that as I was praying and, and, uh, and preparing this week, there are just some things that God wanted to, to speak into. One was to do with conscience, and one was to do with community. And we don't have much time, it's, it's slipped from us this morning. So, can we just stand together and I'm going to pray. And it might be that God speaks to you in this, in this moment because there are a couple of things that I say I felt God speak about. First was to do with your conscience. 
And I felt that this morning God wanted to reset some consciousness. It's like your conscience has been singed, maybe due to something you've done or something in your past. And I felt this morning that God wants to call you to repent and he wants to reset your conscience. That's the phrase that I felt he gave me. He wants to reset your conscience. And the other thing is I, I felt that maybe there were some here this morning who have been hurt by community or by small groups perhaps in the past. You know, Maybe you've opened up, maybe you've sought to be honest but it just backfired and you ended up getting hurt and you thought never again. Maybe you're even fed up with putting other people's needs ahead of yours. <laughs> I felt like God wants to bring some healing this morning. So can we pray and um, if either of those things um, you feel God speaking to you about, then um, just lift your hands to the Lord and I'm going to pray and expect God to come by his spirit. Sometimes we pray with one another. We don't have to do that because it's God that works anyway and we can do that just as easily as we stand here. So let's, let's pray and look to the Lord as we, as we close our time together. Father, we thank you for this passage in Corinthians. Thank you for uh, what Paul has to teach us. Thank you for what we can learn about putting one another's needs above our own. And uh, Lord, I want to pray this morning for any of my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord, who perhaps have had their conscience singed because of something in their past. And it might need resetting, as it were, by the Holy Spirit. I want to pray, Lord, over anyone that that speaks to right now. Would you reset their conscience in Jesus' name? Lord God, would you be at work? Would you reset it by your Spirit in order, Lord, that it might uh, be totally in line with your Word, totally in line with what you've spoken in your Word, totally in line with what you have for them? And Father, I want to pray for any who have perhaps been hurt by community in the past, perhaps who have opened up and it hasn't gone so well for them. It's been difficult and they've thought never again. Lord, I pray this morning for your healing to come by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, even in these moments, just as we stand in your presence, God, I pray that you would heal in Jesus' name. Lord, any that are still carrying some hurt or scars from the past, I pray healing right now in Jesus' name. God wants to do a work by his spirit even, even now just to bring healing from scars in the past where you've perhaps opened up and given yourself to others and been hurt through it God says I'm going to bring healing to you and grace that you can do it again healing and grace in Jesus name thank you Father thank you Lord for your your goodness to us. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for all that you've encouraged us with this morning as we've heard stories of you answering prayer. It's been so thrilling to hear. God, we pray for one another that this week would be a week of living for you in every area of life. That chains would be broken and that, God, you would be glorified. And, uh, Lord, we pray again for our Alpha courses. It starts on Thursday. God, would you be a it? Would you add people to it? Would we see salvation? 
Would you save people? We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.